Welcome back to another episode of the Exterminatus Podcast, all things competitive in the world of Warhammer 40,000. My name's Eric, with me is my co-host Ray, who's making a heroic attempt as he's fighting Hello. off COVID. Yep, it's still around, folks, and Ray's got it. And uh, Robert's here as well. So all of us are joining for a LVO preview edition of the Exterminatus Podcast. But we do have some uh, news for the upcoming season, Games Workshop. Uh, this week announced the U.S. Open dates for the 2023 season and some interesting choices. Uh, one repeat city. And um, I guess we offended Games Workshop because none of them are near us. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, womp, so, oh, womp, oh, all right. Womp. Maybe next time. But anyway, what, what lovely cities can we uh, play games at? Well, first we got Kansas City, Missouri. Totally not in the state of Kansas, so totally misleading. And then we have one in Tacoma, Washington. We have another one in Tampa Bay, Florida. And then to round it all off is out in Atlanta, Georgia. So in actual scheduling, it's Kansas City first. So June 2nd to the June 2nd to the 4th. And almost a month after is Tacoma, Washington from the 14th to the 16th of July. Now, there is some rumors floating around that at least one of these could potentially be a Teams event, which is looking okay. like Kansas City. In fact, it's actually in the article. It says it's a Teams event in Kansas. Because so I can it's not read. really a rumor. It's just a... <laughs> and yeah, no, I, I, I forget things because all of the LVO Absolutely. prep and whatnot kind of takes. But then October 13th to the 15th is down in Tampa Bay, Florida. Be sure to bring your umbrella, bring your poncho, and bring your space humidifier i guess because you don't know what temperature it's going to be and also a poking stick for the gators yeah it should be interesting uh, in that particular obviously you expect the art of war guys because that's kind of their backyard down there and also some really strong players from the southwest so uh, southeast excuse me so uh, i think it should be a really interesting crowd for that particular event yep and then to round it all off is their grand narrative which is how they like how they did it last time where the grand narrative of 2022 kind of fed in, I believe it fed into Arcs of Omen, at least in the narrative sense, not so much the competitive sense, which could be a nice little change. But it's also the home of the first WCW, which, again, only has 170 spots to be shared across the world. And three qualifying events are definitely Games Workshop events. And we're, we'll see exactly how, if they release a list of all the qualifying events. Yeah, for so the, the ones WCW. they've announced are Nova Open, Adepticon, as well as the London GT. So there's so there you have six uh, to be aware of. Other ones are supposedly rumored, so we will uh, keep our ears and eyes open and see if any other ones will be announced. Yep, and in other fun news, now it's in a it's in a time chamber until after LVO this weekend. You can actually order yourself the guard book pretty exciting finally coming out and um exactly it's kind of a kind of bittersweet for guard players that the good news is you get a new book for the new season bad news is uh don't bring it to lvo it's not valid so um interesting i don't know i'm still on the fence it's mm -hmm. one by far my least favorite faction in all of 40k and um but i do recognize their place both in the, the lore and they're an important part of the game and they are inter inter oh, what's the word i'm looking for integral to list integral. design because they do a wide range of skew lists really well so it's one of those and it's going to be one of those armies that there's like zero hobby lag uh, people have the models with the maybe the new casacrin i think i pronounced that correctly mm -hmm. models those guys Ca um yeah, people are ready to play like today well they get to continue holding the stupid guy on the horse well not the stupid guy on the horse but the rough riders and the casterkins actually aren't going up for pre-order yet they are not part of this first wave of guardsmen so it's the new cadian shock troops the ordnance batteries the new sentinel the rogal dorn tank and the commands so it's the not the super broken model that you only got in the Cadia stands box, I believe. Instead, it's the, here, take our Baneblade and make one of seven different tanks, unless you decide to magnetize the darn thing, which then you're a madman, because that's a lot of sponsors and hey, a lot of guns. You need to be flexible for all changes in the meta. How about no? <laughs> I like my one tank with the big well. dump gun. There's certain, it's interesting, whenever you run into that opponent that has that across the board, you're just like, oh. Doesn't even matter if it's competitive or not. You just say, "Do I have the answer for that?" I don't know. Uh, it's just 
always difficult. Yep. And otherwise, fun little fact here. I noticed this with the Black Legion dice set that they were for Arcs of Omen. Their dice sets don't come in 20s anymore. They come in... And the price hasn't gone down a penny. Hmm. Nope. No, it has not. <laughs> so you're basically paying like three and a half dollars per dice or something like that. I mean, the guard ones are a nice pretty green. The Black Legion ones were obviously Black Legion colors. The World Eater ones are probably going to be as red as, you know, blood, probably. But yeah, expect to see a lot of that go be bought out this weekend, so be quick on that buying trigger for if you want guard. And otherwise, the for 40k, there's not that's there's nothing else really coming out like the new Demon Prince came up for so, pre-order yeah. last week too, I think. Yep. Spicy boy. (laughs) Other thing that's uh, not out for pre-order, it's already been out, but today was the you know first time to get it with uh, on the shelf is of course Arcs of Omen. And uh, interesting enough, at my local game store, I bought the last two copies. So Ray has one, I have one. So I hope we don't run into the situation we ran into last season, where uh, players were had to go without for a few weeks before they got a restock. And um, but that seemed to be across the board. Let's see what their supply chain issues are this time. Yeah, that that was definitely an oopsie daisies because I think at a couple tournaments that I went to, I had to literally let my opponent read the Nephilim book for the first time because they had only read it off of nice um, Wahapedia or something like that. So it was a yeah, no, this is the actual wording of the book. New, new book smell. Here you go. There you go. I mean, to be fair, I did that with the Arsenal Woman book. I am guilty of always doing yeah, the Yeah, I only picked smell. up the uh, competitive uh, mission pack. I did not pick up the Abaddon book. So, But uh, the more I'm reading reviews about some of the fiction mm-hmm. and the lore, it actually sounds pretty exciting. It's what's going on right now. Yeah, and that also ties into the Arcs of Omen tarot cards that they've been doing. Because I know the last one, it's self-explanatory. It's the Lightning Tower, and they specifically say the rock during this video. And it's a, okay, okay, Dark Angels and blah, 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 blah. Lionel Johnson's waking (laughs) up, and he has to get his coffee. God dang it. I'm pretty sure he's gone through, like, 17 cups of coffee while pondering, what pair of pants do I want to wear this morning? Don't know that point i definitely would agree because i forgot whether it was arts of omen but there was oh it was what the world eaters preview the terrain that they were fighting over was definitely uh, dark angels themed mm-hmm. and not stuff we had seen before and i was like huh look at that where did that come from so i wouldn't be surprised if they're the new poster child for the whatever the new when that whether it's a new edition or there's a new box set coming out i have no idea but um well as i know i pointed out a few episodes ago there was the the trend of starting the edition with a primark and ending the edition with a primark is so far holding true because the silent king was the primark equivalent and then angron is dropping with world eaters and he's a primark so that's an entire edition span so next season i'm gonna say we're gonna start out with a it's gonna hurt to say a primaris version of lionel johnson and we're going to end mm-hmm. with fulgrim interesting i think i'm gonna keep yeah that actually makes sense they would keep because the way that usually they stick like the new codices at the end of the edition so yeah i could see that makes sense to me because with all of the other rumors that started around before the balanced data slate was coming out and stuff, there was rumors of the new Codex Space Marine book for 10th edition floating around. Now, whether or not that is going to include rules for things like Rebuta Gilliman and Lionel Johnson will be determined once the book actually comes out or gets spoiled like most books. I'd imagine that they stick their space marine of generic space marine of supplements, specific chapters. Yeah, that makes sense. One thing I think would be interesting to see as well is um, if they come out with a new Primark, are they coming out with new units per se, but or are they just going to do new resculpts? I mean, the latest rumors, of course, are the silhouettes. You know, some people think they figured them out. Apparently, the Orc one is a new. Uh, Boss Snickrot, I think, is the character, the commando character. Yeah, yeah, that's that's um, Boss Snickrot. Yeah, uh, guy with the shield. Everybody thinks that they're coming out with Arbides, which I was kind of like, 
Uh, for 40k? Uh, maybe for kill team, but I don't understand why we... I don't know. I'm just kind of on the fence on that one. But um, it just seems weird that the police yeah. army... I was like, what? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I definitely think that's more of for like maybe a boarding action specific force or something and have it be another inquisitor kind of faction where it can be added in to an army yeah that makes sense with some points and stuff like that but apparently they're referenced in some of the rules as well how to bring them in as an I mean, ally so and then i'm sorry yeah but... i mean uh it's for my custodians i always have a choice of do i do this and have 40 points left over or do I not do this and lose it on the thing that I want to use? Well, if the if an Adeptus Apart Arbides unit is only 40 points, then yeah, I'll do what I want and ha, 40 points of Imperium allies. But wait a minute, I am, it's Ark of Omen. Mm. No, I can't do that. <laughs> and then the third one, I'm trying to remember. Oh, I think it's um, Farsight, a new updated Farsight, which I could have sworn, didn't he just get one? No. Um, as far as I know, Commander Farsight did not get one because Shadow Sun was the winner of that one because she's the Supreme Commander and whatnot. Because doesn't Commander Farsight come in like a special kit of the eight or something like no, that? The eight has never been sold as a kit. It got rules for it. it's not something you can purchase as a set. Okay, he's, that makes sense. He's just a he's just a Farsight. It's just a resident cast blister. Yeah, because where he had like okay. those banners that break off every five seconds or something like that on the sides of them. No. Wait, wait a you actually have fine cast that <laughs> stays in one models piece? that never leave my cabinet, so that's how they stay in one piece, but yes. <laughs> that's true. So Then they don't exist. Then there's Farsight. Uh, then, oh, yeah, that's what I was talking about. The Primaris Devastator squads are getting a lot of hype. Um, a lot of people said claim they've seen the rules. And mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I'm on the fence. This if the, I don't want, the rumored rules aren't that over the top from what I've seen. So I'm like, okay. I don't know what you would expect when we're talking about what would essentially just be Primaris and because Primaris basically have a similar heresy and it's going to be kit with the same weapon, which the way I hear it in this case is they're all, it's just going to be rocket launchers. So you got five being special. So not really True. And I think now. what makes these guys semi-special is that they have a, a wide variety of rockets so they can fit multiple roles so you don't have to sit there and guess which rocket you know do i take the crack missile or do I take the frag uh, you, you've got multiple gun options you know to take out multiple types of targets and um there's some high damage stuff in there but there's also some you know the horde killer stuff is mm -hmm. a typical blast you know damage one stuff so like okay yeah it's definitely going to be uh i know the one unit that's actually being super hyped up is the supposed Brutalis Dreadnought, which, if the rules are exactly as written, there is no reason for you to take a normal punchy fist and you take the Talon, because the Talon eventually gets the same damage fist, and then it also has the different profile for clearing out hordes and rerolling wounds, because it's a lightning claw on a Dreadnought, and it's it's dumb. It should not work that way. I really hope... It's and the, the strangest thing about that, that thing, I was, I was reading the description, I kept is this the Space Wolf? I mean, it, it, it sounded like they, they made Murder Fang and just made them generic. I was like, oh. Yeah, they, they put Murder Fang through the Primaris Rubicon and went, um, yeah. he lived? Well, shoot. Yeah, that was a little weird, <laughs> so not sure about that. But anyway, uh, we will see. Um, hopefully we'll get some reviews, or reveals, excuse me at LVO of some of the stuff coming up. I can't imagine there's any other world leader reveals at this point, so it should just be all new stuff at this point. I have no idea what that'll be. So Yeah, because I know in the one article they showed off the start collecting box, which gives you the single juggernaut, um, like 20 yep. berserkers, and then 10 jackals, and then the, the Chaos Lord can be made into either the special character with the flying juggernaut, which I think is hilarious, or the normal juggernaut lord, which has multiple different... It looks like it has two different heads and probably... Two. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And then I think there's also some new boxes that are strictly boarding party boxes. Yes. Yeah, I didn't take a chance to look at those because I'm not a fan of boarding action, at least in a concept-wise, because... I like playing with all my big, big toys, and boarding actions doesn't let me do that. The thing is, those two Mickey 
So there's mm-hmm. two. There's two. First one is basically Ultramarines with Marnius and this Chaos Space Marines. It includes Abaddon, which, funny thing is, there's that whole thing where it's both five ones. And Abaddon's like 300 points. <laughs> yeah, I mean, unless there's something that's about these less points in the case. They built these boxes. I mean, I guess maybe the idea so you have someone to choose, or someone didn't tell box together, hey, it's a five and a keep it. Yeah. I mean, at that point, it also lets them shove the Legionnaire sets that no one's buying into a box set with Abaddon, and then suddenly you have a better than a combat patrol of Black Legion. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, sometimes, so far, that you know, the They've really done a better job of start collecting boxes being closer to 500 points or a usable army. You know, they've had a couple where there's like three, three HQs. <laughs> Death guard, yeah. Death guard start collecting. So they've gotten boxes. much better over time, but um, yeah, this one was kind of a weird one. So it's kind of a I don't know, just kind of roll with it. The I don't know if you guys have looked at the obviously uh, Robert you don't seem too enthused about the boarding actions, but. Uh, Took a quick glance at the boarding action rules real quick, and um, there are a couple things I'm kind of wondering if they will show up in 10th edition, you know, maybe looking ahead type thing. So I thought that was kind of interesting. So, yeah, like I know the, the line of sight thing is something that I would absolutely love to just have in 40k where it's you can pose your model in a super cool way, but can I see your base? No. Okay, then I can't see. That rule would be such a big health check for the game because of the fact that we already get issues with models going, I need to turn my model this specific way so that way I can hide behind the building instead of going, I'm just going to pick up my model and move it here because it's faster and his plasma pistol ends up sticking out of the window. And then I lose my unit. That was one of them in particular. Um, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, that uh, smaller size bases um are blocked by larger size bases yeah it was if you're on a 25 you can essentially be body blocked by almost anything except for another 25 millimeter base and it just kind of went up to scale and because it's a small game you're not gonna see very many dreadnoughts showing up because they're expensive but for custodes we're we're also expensive but we walk around on 40 millimeter bases so we can't exactly body block for each other we can body block a marine yeah, kind of was kind of hoping that was something because that was something in the old. I think it was in fourth edition rules. Intervening models gave you know cover to the units behind them. So, and but the uh, secure the objective action is very interesting. So basically, uh, if you weren't not aware, it's simply uh, an action. I'm trying to remember if it completes at the end of your turn or your next command phase. I think it might be dependent whether you have objective secured or not. But long story short is it makes the objective sticky. So if you secure it, you can walk away from it and it still counts as under your control. Yeah, that one, if they were to include that in normal 40k, they would probably end up adding that into the action as a specific action that your unit can perform. So I don't know. I kind of thought about that being kind of a a neat uh, idea and um, I had to play test a little bit further. And it makes the bitter pill of the Space Marine changes they made in the data slate that they do not have to spend an action to make the objective sticky uh, a little more palatable. Yeah. I mean, I get it. They're better at it. But like you said, everyone can do it right now. Only they can do it, which I was like, this used to be a demon rule. How did this happen? But oh well. And now suddenly everyone's going to get demon saved. Anyway. Um, so interesting stuff coming down the pike, and it'd be a very interesting time over the next six months. Uh, but the key is, uh, like we said, we keep hearing a lot of talk about 10th edition. There's still a lot of 9th edition still to play between now and uh, the next edition. So, Are you a gamer that has more bare plastic than you have time to paint? Do paintbrushes spontaneously combust when you hold them? If either of these is true, contact White Crow Studios and get your models painted by a college-trained professional painter. You can contact Bo at whitecrow.commissions at gmail.com and view his previously painted models at White Crow Studios on Facebook. Is your beer keg boring? Does it not have enough tentacles coming out of it? Does it not taste as funny as you remember because you didn't put a tear in it? Well, the wonderful makers of the Necro Nom 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 to replace your average pizza, decided to come out with a, another book of the Lovecraft Cock. So they're from reddukegames.com, and it 
will guide you through 78 different kinds of cocktails to summon a demon, summon a space bug. Who knows? Either way, it's going to be a very, very wonderful time, and we would highly recommend that you try to not ingest too many while at the gaming table, because we don't know exactly what's going to happen when you roll Perils of the Warp or you roll a natural one on your persuasion check if you decide to play in So if you're looking for fanciful drinks, go ahead and grab the Lovecraft Cocktails by the madmen at reddukegames.com, the makers of the Necro Nom Nom. Hey listeners, this is Raymond with the Extreme Honest Podcast here to talk to you about KR cases. If you're like me and you're constantly looking for that better way to store your armies, then look no further than KR cases. That's right, this is the foam company known for their soft blue foam in the cardboard cases. They're a great way to mix and match whenever you're heading out for that next tournament. Just swap out those boxes and no need to worry about switching the foam in and out. They're sturdy, the boxes help protect your models, and if you when you order, they come fast, the order is right, and for a better price than the other guy. So go to krcases.com and when you place your order, be sure to mention the Exterminatus Podcast. And some people are actually playing this past weekend. That's right. Uh, where most of the tournaments here in America are focused on small groups of friends getting uh, battle ready for LVO. There were actually some big events in other parts of the world. Yes, indeed, there was. The biggest one to our note was the Nottingham. So the and as FLG did preface on one of their episodes, the UKTC. So this was basically crowning winner of um uk region of the it but it's the last i think it's the last big super major before lvo because i don't know if there's any others going on on the 21st don't remember there's anything else in england but i'm gonna double check on their little website here and um remember there's one in australia usually the same weekend because it's yeah but that's australia they live in the future (laughs) um i know here in arizona it's the it's the championship tournament for our local league where by a mere four points my my poor poor girlfriend didn't get to make it but i squeaked into the last spot in the local league championships and i'm probably gonna end up playing daniel all of us and it's going to suck at least i know i'm going to try and go two and one do it you got this nope he is playing unnerfed harlequins probably just looking ahead here the england circuit here international team tournament in february southampton gt in march manchester gt also in march birmingham gt in may bristol gt in june and newcastle gt in june and the leeds gt in august what they've got so far on their schedule hmm. yep. that's a pretty packed middle of the year but i know this event also has some big stipulations as two of the big name players that were are in the top 10 of the atc right now both dun, dun, attended dun, dun, dun. the nodding so let's take a look at the top five see what that looks like so so squeaking out of the top cut to top four in fifth place we have felix barkowitz was playing tau i think that's felix felix Felix, I'm sorry, man. I butchered your name. I read it exactly as I saw it. But in fourth place, we have David Gaylord playing Chaos, which is probably the Thousand Suns and Zinch detachments. Then we have in third place, James Marsden playing Necrons. In second place, we have Peter Dunlia with Sisters. And then in first place, we have Mike Porter with Harlow. His lowest score is that of a 93. Yeah, so it's yeah interesting. It took a little time to figure out through their website, but absolutely they were still playing Nephilim missions as well as pre FAQ um, lists and points and all that. So clearly this is uh, Harlequin's last ride. So it'll be interesting to see. A lot of people feel that this their their, their nerfing was um, pretty harsh, you know, in terms of what they got changed. So I'm curious to see how many players bounce back or find new ways to play with them. Yep, it is definitely, as I look at Harlequin players and I look at my custodes going, I still have a four of Invuln. I realize I have just had every single Death Jester turn around on the table and aim their gun at my head going, uh... So the the healthy part that I see Mike Porter 
was playing, he wasn't playing Twilight. He was playing the classic Light Sadith, which has taken the most nerfs between like the range and whatnot, like the range that they affect guns at and all that Indeed. other crazy stuff. So they have taken quite a few nerfs, and it's interesting how going forward they reverse some of the nerfs, which just jacked up the point cost to get some of those things. So I'm curious to see you know, how they all work out. Yeah, the the sad bit is that. Vic Vijay, at the time of this recording, is still currently number one in the ITC. Ended up coming in 11th. Yeah, a bit of a stumble. So, and Mike hanging in there. And also David Gaylord was there as well. So there was, you know, the top players is hanging in there. And yeah, a bit of a stumble here right before uh, LVO, right at the end of the season. Yeah. And Ennis Wilson was also there. He came in ninth, and I don't think any other name in the top ten that live in England besides those three that I know off the top of my head. Quick list. I want to say um, there were a few here and there that were dotables. Give me one second. I mentioned David Gaylard with uh, Chaos um, coming in there. Ben Jones, he's um former ETC player, interesting playing Adari. So he came in eighth. Yeah, th this was definitely a situation of because it is the last UK event for the IT, you are going to have every single big yeah. fish in the pond show up. Yep, Josh play. Roberts also brought Harlequins for one last ride, ended up going 26th place with four wins. And just kind of skimming down here, Kadamat Berkowitz with the Siriani also coming in 40th place with four wins. Yeah, so there's probably some good Yanari play into next season because of the fact that people have shifted over to that, I guess. Maybe it's more viable in Arcs of Omen because of the fact well, that... Well, one of the cool things about it is the, across the board, once you eliminated uh, Armor of Content, AP1 actually means something these days, so you can actually threaten things when you have volume of attacks. And um, they also have uh, access to... Yeah. So they, they have access to, obviously, uh, hitting uh, swinging first, and then if, they, if the unit loses damage, they uh, you mm -hmm. know, plus one to hit. So they're, they're starting to pile on the attacks, and they can get a lot of weight of fire, especially in the assault phase. And they have access, uh, excuse me, access to some decent shooting, mm -hmm. but a lot of it was either the heavy stuff or a lot of AP-1. So now the AP-1 actually means something. Um, they have a lot of room. And uh, so it's kind of neat. Um, mm -hmm. Also, the falcon serving as a drop pod is a great delivery method for banshees which are really fit well into the inari theme yeah and also because arcs of omen at least with the way that's word right now i think you can still take a patrol of harlequins for traveling players because they i believe they can ally with osiriani normally so yeah at that point you can have your arcs of omen be inari and then bring a small suicide detachment of harlequins that you can literally just throw at your opponent to chump stuff they get blown off and then your your yunari what they thought was interesting actually is unlike sixth and seventh edition when we had this allied matrix it's not reversed or reciprocating so for example your arcs of omen detachment can bring harlequin allies but you can't bring a harlequin detachment with the suriani allies or Tukari allies which was something you could do in the old version yeah because they they just looked at the Eldari. Well, assuming like same thing. You can't do like an all Brood Brothers list and then bring some Gene Stealer Cult in a patrol. If you're going to play Gene Stealer Cult, it has to be your Arcs of Omen detachment, and then the allies can be Brood Brood uh, Brothers. Mm. It's interesting how they phrase that. Now, the, I think the exception to that rule is the interactions between Chaos Space Marines and Demons. It can be either or, but each one is spelled out separately. So that was yeah. So at that point, I believe it was I, I believe it was still Thousand Suns got correct a Zinch patrol detachment, which could mean you could still bring the Thousand Sun plus the Flamers, but obviously the Flamers took the biggest bonk on the head of not auto hitting with their Flamers anymore. But their Flamers still hurt, and they are still yeah, AP minus two. The flamers themselves are still fairly strong. You know, they're fairly resilient. So it's like. What happened? I don't remember them being this strong. So yeah, I think it was just the overabundance, like the causality of them going D six plus three shots a body. Like that, that's a little over the top. Yeah, some crazy <laughs> stuff out there. So curious to see how that all plays out. 
obviously we will see them in their full glory at uh, LVO, but we can see right afterward at this point. Yep. So otherwise, I don't think there was very many large no, events the same weekend as the Nottingham um, honest, We, we need to brush up on our Spanish players. Um, and there was another one in the Netherlands, which we, again, need to brush up on our Dutch players a little bit better. But um, none of them uh, appeared to be in the top 25 of the uh, ITC ranking. So um, we'll just kind of skip them for today. But uh, key looking at the ITC top 10 as it appears now, uh, kind uh, well. of did as well. Awesome. So yeah, we're looking at the ITC top 10 at this point, and let's get our our bets on who is going to be the ITC champion based off the top 10. So just as a reminder, who is in the top 10 currently? We'll start in 10th spot. Manny Chima with 1,377 points. Ninth place, Ines Wilson. Eighth place, Nassim Forshan. Uh, seventh place, Colin McDade. Sixth place, Thomas Ogden. Fifth place, John Lennon. Fourth place, David Gaylor. Third place, Mike Porter. Second place, Jack Harpster. And in first place, Vic Vijay with 1,493 points. So really 120 points separates uh, first to 10th. And the top five are only separated by 51, 52 points. Yep, it's definitely a, a king of the hill situation between all the top five players. The top 10, Thomas Ogden has been having such a healthy run with Tau. And because he still gets to use the Sun Shark Bombers as actual bombers and then have that great first turn if he gets to go first with Tau. If he has a really solid run through LVO and doesn't catch up on very many snags of some other big fish in the pond until maybe like round six, he has a very solid shot of getting of winning the ITC by just swooping it out underneath everyone's feet. I agree with you. He's actually also my pick at this point, simply because if you look at the top 10, uh, they've had some guys who've won some big events and came up short in some big events. Thomas Ogden's T-Whip as an individual player is by far the highest of the top 10. Uh, he he does not, <laughs> he doesn't choke. He just, he shows up and he wins everything he goes to. And... Um, I was concerned at first when he said, okay, that the bomber thing might go away. Is that an integral part to his list? Nope, it's going to be there. So he can still use it for this last uh, tournament. That might be something that he can still make use of. And um, he's, he's basically navigating the same list he's been successful with all season. I know for me, it's a, it's a split pick between John Lennon, like I said, at the earlier part of the year, because he started out really strong. And I know for a fact that if he had gotten to bring guard, my pick would have been him because he was super excited to play guard when they were talking about it on the art of war channel. But I do have to say Vic Vijay probably has a really strong position because of the fact that he is still, even after coming in 11 at an event, he is still first overall in ranking. So as long as he just like Thomas doesn't flub up somewhere up until round six, he will then have to play against the big fish on day three, and that's when it becomes really hard to not drop a game. But you know what? Now you bring a up a good mistake. point with that because you know between Vic and uh, David Gaylard and John Porter, they've been at each other along with Manny Chima back in England. Basically, every tournament they run into, they've been playing each other, so they're used to this. You know, got to get past a big fish to win. You're not going to just club your way to the top. And I look at some of these other guys that have, have done well. They've done well at other big events consistently, but they're not consistently going against the high-caliber talent every month when they do a GT. So I think you have a good point that when the pressure's on, uh, both Vic or David could really step up in these particular cases and, and kind of shrug it off a little bit. And be... Yeah, because when I actually look at the top 10 as entirety, the people that are coming from across the pond are Vic... Mike, yeah, Vic, Mike, David, Nassim, and Manny. So half of the top 10 is literally coming from the UK. And then, so there's you know, definitely some excitement there until you look at, we've kind of passed over Jack Harpster. Did we do that on purpose? Well, I mean, I could have sworn Jack Harpster lived here in the US. So it's a one of those things that Jack Harpster is also on the Art of War team. So on a regular basis for their streaming games, sure, sometimes they play kind of jokey lists or whatnot because it's a funny idea. But between John Lennon, Jack Harpster, 
getting to play Richard Siegler, um, Nick Nottavati, and also potentially playing on stuff like Tabletop Simulator online with some of the WTC team. They have practice almost every single day. And I forgot to mention another person that's coming from across the pond, that's Ennis Wilson. But yeah, so all the Art of War guys get to practice every single day with players that play at the highest level of play all the time. Whether it's consistent play or not is up for your belief. <laughs> but it is definitely high caliber play where if someone like me were to go up against someone like John Lennon, Lennon would probably dance circles around me and have a beer. And I would struggle to score 50 points off of him. Yeah, I think... I get it with Jack where he's... The Iron War team is really good. They do with the one thing you need to do to be better at 40k is play games and get better at it. The one thing I've got though is uh, trying to uh, download it as we're talking here is looking at where he's got his points from. And other than it's, if, if I remember correctly, and that's why I'm trying to do this without misquoting, he got a lot of his points at GW events at the US Open Tour. And I really kind of look at, let's see what he here. He, I've yep, only seen he won the US one. Chicago, Chicago, won the Cherokee event. Open. All right, I stand corrected then. I'm glad I looked at this then. Um, Nova Open. I'll take it back. So Nova and US uh, mm-hmm. Chicago have very similar terrain setups. Front lines, Cherokee Open. There's one with player place terrain. Adepticon, you have no idea what Adepticon brings to the table on a day-to-day basis. Dallas Open, I believe, had something similar mm-hmm. to Frontline. Um, the the Dallas Open because I was at that one. They <clears throat> their terrain actually was not player placed. It was predetermined, if I vaguely remember correctly. But I mean, he showed up and he came in fifth with sisters. So that's no. And that event was eight continuous rounds of playing. So you got a humongous amount of points. I think his major point win, like Adepticon, was obviously huge. But then you one two three four five six yeah his other his lowest score of 210 points was from the atc which the art of war team won that event yeah so what i'm getting at is that can he adapt his game to the frontline gaming setup you know the lvo setup and their mission pack in time for all this Mm -hmm. because he's been kind of a shotgun approach and um okay he did with the cherokee open but that was how many months ago so yeah, Cherokee was done all the way back in February. And even with that, he won with Far- Farsight Enclaves. He won with Necrons at Nova. He won with Harlequins in Chicago at the U.S. Open. There he came in eighth at Adepticon with a Suriani, and then he was uh, Sisters of Battle in Dallas Open, where he came in fifth. So it's kind of been like all over the place. So what is he bringing, uh, and can he adapt to the the mission packet? We'll see. Yeah, let's, let's put it this way. If anybody's going to get enough practice time, it's going to be an Art of War guy. But um, just, just, mm-hmm. that's where I kind of look at that, where I was like, mm. um, we've seen some other players play a little more consistently than he has. So Yeah, it's definitely going to be one of those things of the more practice that person gets, it'll show at LVO. And I honestly haven't seen, I haven't watched very many of their streams lately, but it's definitely a, I haven't seen Jack Harpster play in a while. It's mainly been Nick and Richard and John. Yeah, I haven't been watching them at all, so I'm like watching some other streams, but um, I'm curious, yeah, what they bring. And um, for all we know, they may have also stumbled onto some new list build that uh, gets unveiled at the, you know, at LVO. So we'll see that. That could be exciting as well. Yeah. Because obviously being a higher being high caliber level of players, they get to do all of the research and all of the playtesting with whatever they want, given that they can actually get the models for it. Unlike players that have to go and buy their models themselves and have to wait for it to come back in stock after all True, the pre horrors you know, they got sold out. Over the years they probably got some not only have a nice collection of other models, you can also do some quick proxies. You know, not everything, all not every testing has to be on stream. So, as a matter of fact, the play testers, one of the yeah. things they talk about is, yeah, we saw the stats, we saw the rules, but we never saw what the models looked like. So they were literally playing with like bases that, that were blanks, and um, so they were. So when the models were revealed, they were surprised as much as we were because they didn't know what the model was supposed to look like. Yeah, they were just told the base size. Okay, that's. 
that's weird. I could never. It's play actually one like of that. the ways they describe it. Um, I've read it from like other industry insiders. Is don't get bogged down with the aesthetics of your play pieces. Make sure the game works first, and then work backwards. Which is funny because then you talk to the games workshop team, and they, the art department comes up with a new unit idea, and that's kind of like my issue with the World Eaters Codex coming up. It's like you have your choice of the melee unit, the melee unit, or the melee unit. I'm like, oh. but, but but wait, one melee unit has a single. Wait a minute, no, that's a that's an empty bolt pistol. He throws at the guy. <laughs> oh oh, it's the it's the combi bolter on the rhino. Wait a minute, what do you mean the combi bolter? It would just been really cool. That seems some sort of crazy cornate cannon, you know, just to give them some sort of artillery. Um, would have been really cool, but oh well, you know. Yeah. Um, let them keep the vindicator. I can't remember in <laughs> fantasy they had something. Uh, it was a yeah the the blood cannon. No, Skull Even Cannon, that, and they had the Blood the Chaos Dwarf thing. It was made of lead, and you could, like, kill somebody with it because it weighed, like, 12 pounds. Oh, yeah, the, like, the the Chaos Cannon or whatever that had, like, a yeah, Ogryn really cool, like, minion and whatnot. Yeah, it was covered in skulls and stuff like that, but, yeah, it was a pain in the butt to put together because you got these two halves that never married up, so you got, like, a 1,000 pounds of green stuff to make it work. Oh, it was a pain in the butt. But it looked really cool once it was assembled. <laughs> but anyway, I digress. So yeah, you're curious to see how all that works out as well. And of course, the best part about LVO is the surprises. You, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, who's going to be this year's uh, either uh, Mark Wright, who made his way into the top eight with Blood Angels, or uh, Lawrence Baker, who took Drakari in a time when Drakari was absolutely terrible and then finished ninth, just missing the, the shadow round. Be really curious to see uh, who those surprise players will be. Mm-hmm. All right, for Funzy Call, the guy who brings the Warhound Titan is going to go 6-0, and oh, but he's not going to care because he's going to be too drunk to remember day three. <laughs> oh, that'd be pretty funny. Um, I I think there's going to be a guy, I'm going to call it here, he wants to play guard. He, didn't, he doesn't want to wait for the new Codex. I think he could still make it work. Well, I mean, there's the guy that goes by the Catachan. Yeah, he's going to bring his so... 300 conscripts, and he's not going to care. <laughs> And he's in line to to be best in that in that faction. So yeah, I could see him doing some damage because simply he's just so off meta that you're like, what 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 is this? How do I how do I face this? Yeah, I, I wouldn't know what to do with it. It would take me like three Cleases right. worth to even table half of his army. And even then, that would take like mm-hmm. hitting and wounding all the time. The joy of guard. I remember playing. Uh... Do you remember the relic mission, Ray? Yeah, playing guard with relic was just ridiculous. Yeah. It's like the amoeba reaches out, grabs the one objective on the table, and then swarms it with bodies. And go ahead. <laughs> you need to kill all these to get to the prize, or you lose the game. Oh, okay. <laughs> I've, I've played that mission exactly once, and I went, never again. <laughs> the relic is a terrible, terrible mission. Oh, that was so bad. I mean... If you wanted a, a heck of an LVO finals game, just put them on the relic and be like, all right, y'all have to fight over one objective. I did have a lot have of fun. fun. I'll say this, though. I think it was 7th edition. So I was playing a guy who brought Traitor Guard. And this is this is why we do not use templates anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, you know, how many times can we drop templates and argue over scatter dice and the flippy things and all because that was the other thing is you put this template down and then we're fighting lands and then oh i has three more spotty grounds so then it, it flips based on where the scatter die went it was it was really annoying he took 30 uh two units of 30 conscripts and just basically jumped on the relic at center field and said he just looked to be like i got 60 wounds sitting on it go for it i go oh okay so I marched up my uh, whatever the Forge World Wraith Knight is. This we used to call this. Uh, no, the other one, the, the, the scatter, the Phantom Jack. I forgot what's really proud. We call it the Sasquatch Wraith Knight. And the key thing is, one of the what uh, loadouts mm. I when I took, it basically has a Lord of War size a size warp spider shooter thing on it. <laughs> so use the extra large flamer template. <laughs> So I just dropped it on top of the unit ah. and says, oh, I got two of these. So take, you said there's 30 in the unit? Well, I don't get these three guys. So what's 27 times two? <laughs> That's 54 hits <laughs> at strength seven. <laughs> Pick them up. 
and drop the relic while you're at it. And he just looked at me like, oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, Eric, you're glad I'm don't I didn't play you back that, then because I would have just called you. That was just the addition, though. It was just like uh, it brought the worst out in players. I mean, that yeah. same. I give you. It was very fitting. Uh, my last game of that LVO. So this is still back when. If you added independent characters to your unit, somehow the units gained the keywords that they had. So this was a very popular build. The guy mm-hmm. took a Dark Angel, Gray Knight, Space Wolf list. You got it. Why do I have a feeling this so was the what happened star? was he, I totally forgot he had like a pregame move. And he charged my said Wraith Knight with 30 Fenrusian Wolves. And somehow he had... Asriel, uh, a space wolf, whatever the chaplain's called, I forgot what they were, and another character in the unit. It basically allows them to reroll hits and wounds, and they're fearless. And I was like, oh, okay, whatever. You know, I can, this Knight Wraith Knight has like a teleport ability. I can always drop out of assault if I needed to. And I looked at him, and he was like, well, how much damage does it do? And he's like, and the way he positioned him, he only can get like three wolves in on combat at a time. And so he's like doing like very little damage to me. And like, well, you're fearless, right? He says, yeah. He says, okay. So they're not going to walk away. I can't shoot them. And he says, all right, you're going to do your stomp attacks? And they go, no, I'm going to swing. But since I swapped out the weapons, I don't have the sword. So three attacks. <laughs> and he's looking at me like, what are you doing? So although he locked up my Wraith Knight, I locked up the whole rest of his army in <laughs> close combat for the entire game. <laughs> So that that left my entire army, so the other 1,700 points, was going up against two strike squads and two tactical squads, because everything, all the other points were locked in this Bark Bark Star. (laughs) (laughs) All that mess just reminds me of all the stories that we hear from our buddy Aaron about whatever his Tetrad list was, where it was like... Slanesh Demon Prince or something and like an Eldar caster like whatever janky crazy stuff going on in 7th edition and he was just like bro why were these lists so right. mean because GW uh, the, the Tetra was fun because it was definitely very lore driven the idea that you had four demon princes uh, one of each god and they and depending on how many you had on the table they had like addition mm-hmm. uh, heightened abilities and then as each one died they, the, the, the group got slowly weaker and um, yeah, Aaron had that. Another uh, good player, Vince Arroyo. Um, he's now a uh, top player for Flames of War, but at the time he was playing 40K, he played that list as well. And um, it was that actually was semi fluffy. It was actually kind of fun to play comparatively to some of the other nonsense that was out there. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a weird time. It was. It has gotten much better with all the complaining people do about 40k now. Just like, yeah, it just it's gotten much better, and there's more to come. So I'm looking very looking forward to not only 2023, um, but it's the future in general. Yep, I just hope that the Arcs of Omen GT book is a healthy step in the right direction. Of you can still soup, but there's restrictions to souping that actually are written really, really well because you're not having to pick and choose keywords and blah, and you also can't mix sub factions. There are some FAQs that are needed, like um, how Shadow Sun and Gazgol can be included in any orc or tau detachment and not break it. But because of Arcs of Omen, they have the faction keywords, so they can't exist in there. Like it's a weird situation so a clarification on just those kinds of things so that way you maybe still see abaddon outside of black legion as the as the big boss chaos hq that he is but you can't see him walking around with flamers and war dogs anymore so he only gets to play with chaos space marines and maybe a chaos knight but it's i feel this is a step in the right direction for at least a much more logical game state where you're not having look at people listing themselves as imperium or just chaos or just eldar so you can actually see them list themselves yeah, as an see actual the, um, after the season of the itc will they clean up the best in faction because some of the factions they still list or track like supposedly somebody got points as a dark imperium a dark uh, mechanicus player like how did they pull that off yeah just and then um 
there's still a Corsair best in faction. I mean, that's like, okay, but I guess you could. Yeah, Prince Uriel and then a whole bunch of Void Scarred and, and Void Reavers, and you're good to go. But are people really playing that? I, I don't think so. But yeah, I hope they kind of clean up the best faction so it makes it a little more interesting, you know, who's going after the real best, best in factions. Yep. And also, I'm knocking on a wooden desk right now. I hope we get to see Ray come out and play at local events because he has at least two armies that are table ready in size, maybe not in paint, <laughs> but definitely able to be on the table and actually have fun with us once in a while. Right now, I'm just hoping for a speedy recovery for you, bud. So, that would, that yeah, that's that's yeah, step one. A little serious there. So, thanks. But uh, yeah, but so by the time you're reading the, or hearing us at this point, uh, this will be locked for uh, LVO, and uh, we'll be looking at the. Of course, next week we'll do our our patented. Uh, coverage of all the action and we'll also give updates throughout the weekend and uh, so look for that on our Facebook page as well. Robert, you're going to be uh, present at LVO? Oh yeah. I am playing my custodes for the champs and then I am being a mad lad and changing armies the same weekend to play my Chaos Knights at Sunday RTT because I worked mm, dang yeah, hard so on those guys and them nights are pretty. Facebook page, but also I think you made it to our Instagram page as well. I'm not percent sure, but yeah, I know it's definitely on my on my personal Instagram account. I will have to double check that eventually. And Eric, I think we can let everyone know what's going to be going on. Uh, let's week. keep it a surprise. We'll make an announcement later in the We're week. Be with but true, um, yep. Surprise. So the, we'll talk about that a little bit later in the week. But we may have some key guests coming on. So. Make sure um, to keep listening to the show, and we'll get into that for our next week's show. In the meantime, my name's Eric, and thank you for listening to the Experiment Podcast. I'm Robert. Robert.